Thank you for subscribing to the weekly sermons of Crossfire YC. We are the Youth Church of Crossfire World Outreach Ministries located in Springfield, Oregon. This podcast is updated weekly. Romans chapter 1 verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported. If you've got a pen or crayon or marker or anything like that that you carry around with you that you'd like to mark up your Bible with, I would underline or mark that word right there, being Reported, reported. All over the world, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of His Son, is my witness. Now, I want to say this just because I probably will not be able to get back to it in the message, but I love how He says, God, whom I serve with my whole heart. A lot of us, many times, we say, I believe in something with my whole heart, but Paul doesn't just say, Hey, God, whom I serve with my whole heart. He says, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching. He, he says, I serve God with my whole heart, and there's action behind what I'm doing. We're going to talk about serving God with our heart next week, but for this week, we're just going to move on. Is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. See, this is the, hey, what's up? I want to come see you. I long to see you so that I might impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is, that you may be mutually That we, you and I, sorry, let me start verse 12 all over. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Can we just pray real quick? God, we love you. We thank you. We're so excited to be here this this evening. I pray that, God, your word would go forth uh, with power, God. That you would change our lives. That literally, God, as we look at... As we open up the Bible, as we look at the scriptures, that God, we would, we would see you, God. We would see your character. We would see uh, who you are, what you're all about. And as we see you, God, I pray that we would be transformed to be more like you. That we could be a reflection of you to this world that is in serious trouble and needs help. Lord, we love you and thank you. And I pray for the Crossfire basketball team. Monday night, give us an anointing that we may not go 0-3. And, and the church said... And the church said... Amen. The title of tonight's message is Imaginary Faith. Imaginary Faith. If you take your notes, I encourage you to write that at the top of your notes. How many of you guys have ever had an imaginary friend? What, what was your imaginary friend's name? Cheese. Yeah. Nice. Cheese. Anybody else? Anybody else? What's your imaginary friend's name? Benny. What did your imaginary friend look like? He was purple. Hey, my... Anybody else have a purple imaginary friend? Anybody else? Anybody else imaginary friend? What was your imaginary friend's name? Nathan. What color was your imaginary friend? Yellow. Did your imagine... Oh my gosh. Did your imaginary friend have a distinct smell? Yes, he smelled like a giraffe. Was he a giraffe? Yes, he was. All right. Everybody else, just throw out your imaginary friend's name if you had one growing up, just so we can all get it out there and all of our imaginary friends can be proud of us. Ready? One, two, three, go. That was weak, but whatever. I had an imaginary friend growing up. His name was Luke Skywalker. 
And, uh, no, I didn't. I really did. I had an imaginary friend. He, uh, he was not the Jedi Knight that some of you guys are thinking of. Um, apparently Luke Skywalker is a very common name in fiction. Um, and in my little kid brain, Luke Skywalker is what I came up with, with for my imaginary friend. He didn't really do much. Um, as a matter of fact, he didn't do anything. Uh, he didn't help me with my homework. He didn't uh, teach me how to talk to girls. Uh, Luke Skywalker, which I pretty much always referred to him by his full name. I never just said, hey, Luke. I always was like, hey, Luke Skywalker, um, can you uh, do this for me? And he never really did anything. The only thing I, I found that was very common in Luke Skywalker's life is he would take people's seats. And like he would sit down somewhere. And then somebody would go to sit in that chair. And I'd have to tell him, hey, Luke Skywalker is sitting there. He would basically just sit somewhere, and then I would have to like tell people, hey, Luke Skywalker's sitting there, and they're like, oh yeah, Luke Skywalker, the Jedi Knight, and I'd be like, no, he just happens to share the same name as that Luke Skywalker. Why do you got to be weird about this? It's a fairly normal thing to have an imaginary friend. My daughter has the coolest imagination, I think. The other day, I came into the living room, and like... We're just, maybe we're bad parents, but she's been telling us for like the last three weeks that she wants bubbles. And she wants to have some bubbles so she can blow, you know, the little thing, you blow and it, bubbles come out, right? Everybody know, is everybody on board so far? She's been wanting those for like the last three weeks. And we're like, okay, next time we go to the store, next time we go to the store. And for three weeks, we've been telling her, next time we go to the store, we're going to get you bubbles. I walk into the living room the other day, and she has like built this little Lego thing. And she's like, daddy, bubbles. <laughs> And she starts blowing into this little Lego thing that she built. And she's like, pop it, Dad, pop it. And I'm like, what are you talking about, kid? And she's like, right there. And she's like pointing like kind of towards the ceiling wall around me. And I'm like, okay. And I just kind of reach out and like pop it, right? And she's like, oh, like screaming, laughing. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this kid is so cool. We bought her all this plastic food. And she... If, if, like, real food could be, like, the Peter Pan food. Anybody, anybody watch the movie Hook? Like, the, the Peter Pan food, that would be so sweet if I had that cool of an imagination. And I think my daughter does. Because she'll, like, she'll, like, get, she'll, like, be in her room and she'll be, like, she's got this little kitchen with all these little pans. And she's, like, shaking them back and forth and stirring stuff up. She'll run out to the living room and be like, Dad, look what I made. And I'm looking at this empty little kid pan going, Mmm, what is it? She's like, it's cereal. <laughs> I'm just like, why did you cook cereal? <laughs> Nonetheless, I eat the cereal, and she's like, it's good. And I'm like, it's great. It's awesome. This is really, really good cereal. What kind of cereal is it? Cereal. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> you know, and that's my daughter. She's got this crazy cool imagination. Do you guys remember being kids? When you could just imagine anything you wanted. And you were just like, hey, if I, wanna, if I was lonely and I was kind of a dork growing up, and I, I, I could imagine myself a friend. And then I would have somebody to hang out with and talk with. But how many of you guys remember being a kid and remember being able to imagine anything you wanted? And you're just like, well, I can't really buy the new Power Ranger toy so I'm just going to pretend like I have it. Did anybody have that cool of imagination where you didn't even need real toys? And you're just like, I'm just going to imagine that, that, that I have this. Do you know that some of us, from a world's perspective, the world looks at us and they think that our faith 
is imaginary. They think that the things that we believe are as crazy of an idea as that imaginary friend that we have growing up. Because to most of the world, our faith is completely invisible. And nobody witnesses or sees our faith. So in the what's up part of this letter, one of the things that Paul wants to say to them, one of the things that Paul wants to really communicate to these guys is he's excited for them because their faith, it said in verse 8, is being reported all over the world. It's like, da, 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 da. Coming in right now from Springfield, Oregon, we're here at Crossfire Youth Church to report to you the faith of the young people that attend this service every week. Now, they don't actually do anything with this faith, but they say they have it. And that's pretty much how if if the world was to report on our faith, do you understand that the world, the news organizations, don't report on nothing? That's really bad grammar, but really good understanding. That that news organizations aren't going to come to where nothing is happening, set a camera up and be like, we just wanted to show you nothing. We're going to be here for the next 47 seconds just staring at nothing. I'd like to talk to you about the nothing, but there's pretty much nothing to talk about. And uh, back to you, Sue. News organizations don't do that. They don't report nothing. And so what Paul says to these guys is he says, there are reports of your faith all over the world. People keep coming to me. People keep talking to me. People are sending me letters and they're talking about your faith. They're talking about your life. They're talking about what's happening. Can I tell you that that does not happen just because they say they have faith. That does not happen in people's lives that do absolutely nothing and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Can I tell you for most of the world, your faith is invisible. But God has not desired or designed our faith to be unseen. God wants our faith to be out in the open. God wants people to see a changed life. Go with me to Hebrews 11 verse 1. Typically I read out of the NIV, but I'm going to be reading out of the New King James. Because I think in looking at like the original Greek and stuff, it just made more sense. And it it captured what, what the author of Hebrews is trying to say more accurately. But it says this, Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I want to read it one more time. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want to talk to you about two things that faith is, that your faith, if you believe in Jesus, if you profess that he is your Savior and your Lord, there's two things that faith is for you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Man, if faith is a substance, that is the one type of thing that I want substance abuse from. You cannot get enough faith. You cannot get enough trust. You cannot get enough peace. And all the things that having faith brings you comes by the more faith you have, the more you can trust God, the more peace you'll have in every situation you go through. 
See, faith is a substance. The Greek word for substance is thing put under substructure or foundation. Think about this. When you break apart the word substance, it breaks apart into two words. Sub. Everybody know what sub means? I want you to think of a yellow submarine, a yellow submarine, a yellow submarine. When you think about a submarine, what does a submarine do that's different from any other boat? A submarine goes underwater. Okay, so the first part of the word is sub. The second part of the word is stance. What is a stance? How many guys play football? How many of you guys know that to, every, every position has a specific stance that they're supposed to be in, right? Now understand this. So if we understand what substance is, then substance is the thing under us in which we stand on. So it says faith is the substance. Faith is, faith is the thing under us that we stand on. Now I got to tell you something. There are some things in this world that I am not comfortable standing on. We have some ladders at the church that I would rather not have anything to do with. You guys see that American flag up there? Does it look nice and straight? Because I hung that. Okay, it's really crooked. That's because I'm not a detail-oriented person. But listen, there was a ladder that I had to like, get up. And these are like, like pipes for the sprinkler system. And so I'm not totally sure how secure they are. But I had to lean the ladder up against those. And climb up this ladder. And at first I'm thinking, okay, I can do this. Just put the ladder up, climb up there, hang the flag, get down, life's over, life's good. I'm gonna be move on with life. Life's over. Move on with life. No big deal. It's gonna be awesome. So I put the ladder up there. I actually needed help because it takes a really big ladder to get up there. And uh, I start climbing up the ladder. I get about five steps on the ladder and I start like literally pouring sweat. This is like instantaneous, no reason for it, just automatically my entire, I'm just like, my hands are starting to slip off of the little rungs of the ladder, and I'm, I'm so scared. I go out, and I get Marlene, so thank you, Marlene, for saving my life, because she's the only person around, and I go, and I, I say, Marlene, um, do you mind holding this ladder for me? And she's like, oh, sure, I can hold the ladder for you, no problem. I get about halfway up, and I think about this, and I'm like, do I really trust... Marlene to hold me secure if this thing starts to go. Do I really feel like that's the, the, the best place in which to put my trust? And some of us, when we think about Jesus, because we don't really have an understanding, a, a real good understanding of Jesus, how much he loves us and how much he cares for us, Somebody says, put your trust in Jesus, stand on Jesus, let Jesus be your firm foundation in life. And we, we hear that, but because we don't understand who Jesus is and what he's all about, it kind of freaks us out a little bit once we start along the walk. And so I get halfway up the, the ladder and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to die. Should I write like a note to my family while I'm up here so that if something happens, like they just know I love them? And I was really scared, sweating just as bad as I was before. But I got up there. I got the flag hung, um, apparently crooked, according to you guys. Do you understand that everything in this life, your friendships are shaky or they're going to be shaken? Some of you guys know right now. Like you have a friend, but that relationship is on the rocks. You don't know how long that friendship's going to last because they're really starting to annoy you. Some of you guys are in a dating relationship 
that you already know it's not going to last. You just don't know how to end it. I dated, I, I dated this girl that I eventually broke up with. For six months, I was trying to find a way to break up with her. I did not know how. I literally was talking to my brother. I went to visit my brother in like October. And I was talking to him about how when I got back home, I was going to break up with her. He came to visit me in December and we were still together. And I'm just like, I know, I know I said I was going to. It's not that there was, it was just a relationship that was not going well. And everybody around was like, you guys should stay together. You're such a great couple. But like, we didn't like any of the same things. We never hung out. And so I knew the relationship was over anyway. Some of you guys are in a relationship and you just need to end it, okay? If it's over, it's over. Let it be. I know it's going to hurt her, but don't drag it on longer than it needs to. Some of you guys, your relationship with your parents is shaky. You get along with them every once in a while, but it only takes half a second for that relationship with your parents to just blow up and you to go crazy around your parents. See, there are so many things in our lives that are shaky. Every person on this planet that you try and put your trust, your faith, and your hope into is shaky. It's not firm, and it probably will not last the way that you want it to. Everybody that you come in contact with will let you down. Let me save you the shock and the surprise when it happens. That, ladies, there is no Mr. Perfect. He does not exist out there, so stop looking. Every guy that you talk to, every guy that you hang out with is going to let you down. Guys, in the same way, there is no perfect girl. They don't exist. Dodie's trying to argue with me, but he's wrong. Everybody lets us down. But if we put our faith, listen to this. If we stand on a faith in Jesus, we can understand, know that that will last forever. Do you understand the kind of security you get when you join in with something that's been around for a long time? What do businesses try and do? When they're like advertising or whatever, they always throw that EST 1977, 1890, established. They always want you to know, hey, we've been around for a long time and we're going to be around for a long time. Can I tell you, when you join the church, you join a church that has existed for over 2,000 years and is still going strong today. The church is not something that is going to collapse in on itself in the next couple of years. The church will last The church will survive and the church will grow stronger. But we need to put our faith in Jesus. He's someone who's been here since the beginning of creation and he's going to be here. The Bible calls him the Alpha and the Omega. He is the consistency that we're looking for in our lives. He is the balance that we need. We're like, why is my life so crazy? Why is my life so, everything just feels like it's falling apart. Why? Jesus is the thing that we put our faith in. Jesus is the thing that we hope in. See, faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. And if we hope in Jesus, then our faith is secure and we can make it. We can last. A lot of people try and put their faith in themselves. 
even in church, we try and do this. We try and say, you know what? That's awesome. Jesus died for me. That's amazing. And I, I just am so glad that he did that. But now it's, it's time for me to really take this by the horns and really make this happen. I know that my life and my devotional life hasn't been very consistent. So from now on, I'm just going to make sure it happens. And I'm just going to do this because I want it more than anything. And I want it. And so we try and put our faith in ourselves. We try and gain righteousness by ourselves, by our works, by our actions. Can I tell you? We're shaky. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're shaky. Turn back to the person that just said that to you and be like, you're shaky. And then slap them. Yes. Not in the face. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We cannot stand our works on our efforts. We must stand on our faith in Jesus. We depend on ourselves. We're on shaky ground. We have a heavenly kingdom that the Bible says cannot be shaken. Do you know what my wife hates? She hates boats. Not that she hates like, she's not like, oh, there's a boat, I hate you. She hates to get on boats. She does not like it one bit at all. Matter of fact, the last time me and her were on a boat together, by the time we finally got back to the dock, she jumped onto the dock and was like, okay, this is good. Because when you're out on the water, it's shaky. It's not firm. But you get back to land and you've got a firm foundation. And many of us in our lives have been so used to being shaken that we just settle for being shaken. We never feel like there's going to be any sort of security. We never feel like there's anybody that we can trust. We never feel like there's somebody that's always going to be there for us. Can I tell you, Jesus can be that for you. In your darkest nights, in your worst moments, in the times in your life where you feel like you can't open up to anybody, Jesus is right there waiting with open arms saying, I love you. I'm here for you. Faith is what we stand on and what we eagerly, and what we eagerly await is a heavenly kingdom. Faith is under, <clears throat> faith under us lifts us up when we're down. Now, at this point, if faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's still pretty much invisible. If you've seen a house, you understand something that you don't always see the foundation when you see the house. Faith is the substance, the foundation of the thing that we hope for. But faith is also the evidence of things unseen. Faith is... is, is the unseen substance and foundation. But the evidence is the fact that the house is still there and standing. The evidence is that the house still remains. The evidence that the substance is good is that, hey, that house hasn't fallen down yet. And some of you guys tonight, you feel like, man, my life is falling apart. You feel like, man, I'm trying to go to church. Let me say this. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're still trying tells me that there's still some sort of substance under you. That God's still working for you. He hasn't given up on you yet. See, faith is a substance, but it's also the evidence. That's why faith is not invisible. That's why when that news guy comes up to you, this probably will never happen to any of us, and says, 
do you believe in Jesus? And puts the microphone in your hand and you say, yes, I do believe in Jesus. I go to Crossfire with that really handsome pastor. Thank you. And you say that, and they say, well, how do you believe in Jesus? Well, I go to Crossfire with that really handsome pastor. Listen, faith is not just this invisible thing that we say, oh, I believe in God. Faith is actually evidence that God exists. Faith is evidence for the unseen things. If, if somebody was to take you into court and they arrested you, and I don't think that they arrest people for this, maybe in like Montana or something, I'm not sure, but I don't know all the laws of Montana. If they were to arrest you for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence from your life to convict you? If they brought in character witnesses, your friends, or even maybe better, your parents, and they said, this person is being convicted of being a Christian. They're being charged. And your mom looks at them and says, you got the wrong person. There is no way that she's a Christian. There is no way that he's a Christian. You take your friends in there and say, he's a Christian? Shoot. I can't believe that. Wow. He seems so normal. He was kind of quiet, but he seems so normal. He's a Christian. Really? Is there enough evidence in your life Is faith evidence in your life? See, faith is the substance of the things we hope for, but faith is also evidence. Now, it comes from the inside out. It doesn't come from the outside in. So you can't try and work and make it happen. I want to read a couple of scriptures. Actually, just one scripture in James. James 2.18 says this, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. I want to read this. Eugene Peterson wrote the Message Bible, and I want to read this because I like the way that he said this. It's more, more of a commentary than a Bible. I know there's Message Bible people out there that are like, It's a real Bible. James 2.18, and according to Eugene Peterson in the Message, I can already hear one of you Agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together, hand in a glove. A lot of people talk about how they love God. But do the people around you actually see evidence of you putting your faith in God? Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Is your life saying that you're a Christian? Is what you do at school saying you're a Christian? Is what you do at your house saying you're a Christian? Your faith should be evidence to everyone around you by the way you live your life. See, you don't really believe in God if you're not willing to climb on the ladder. 
If, if they send an investigative reporter to your house and to your school, and they're saying, we're going to prove that this person has faith, would they be able to find any substance? See, because substance is not just some mystical air, thoughts, foundation. Substance, your foundation is evidence. Your faith is evidence. Faith is not just, oh, I believe. Believe in Jesus. It's so much more than that. It's a belief in Jesus that causes you to live a different way. It's a belief in Jesus that causes you to talk a different way. It's a belief in Jesus that causes you to love people in a different way. It is a belief that changes your entire life as you make faith your foundation for everything you do. It now becomes evidence. Because instead of saying, okay, I'm just going to live my life my own way. You say, if the things that I'm hoping for is heaven, is a kingdom that God has established. If, if the thing that I'm hoping for is Jesus and I'm going to make my foundation faith and I'm going to believe in what God's saying, then it should change the way you live your life. It should change the way you talk. It should change the things you listen to. It should change the things you watch. It should change the conversations with your parents. It should change you. You cannot remain the same and tell me that you believe in Jesus. Because Jesus said that if you love me, you'll do what I command. Your life must change. We've got so many people in churches that are having conversion experiences, but absolutely nothing changes. They walk away from an altar and they say, I'm exactly the same person. They don't have the same hope. They don't have, the, they don't have a peace that drives them. They don't have a trust in God that, that causes them to say, even if I'm rejected by people, I'm accepted by God. So therefore, if I have this trust in God, I'm willing to change the way that I talk. I'm willing to change the things I spend my time doing. And because they have this conversion experience, it becomes an imaginary faith. Something that the world looks at and says, you got a crossfire? That's weird. Must be a nice little group to hang out in. But a person of faith, their life is marked by something different. They're truly changed. There's a difference in the things that they do. Jesus is unseen, but your faith is seen. You may be the only Jesus that the world ever sees. Your faith lived out day by day as a foundation for the things that you hope for should be the evidence to everyone around you of the invisible God. Your faith lived out day by day should be evidence for everyone around you of an invisible God. You say, I have faith, show me. You say, okay, well, I'll do works. No, no. Faith causes you, motivates you to do those things. It's not about works. It's about saying, God, I trust you enough to actually do what you've told me to do. I trust you enough to actually do what you've said. Faith is evidence. I've been working out for like the last month and a half, and you guys are like, seriously? And 
the thing about it is this. I got, I got motivated, not necessarily by my wife or by... I had to decide for myself that it was something that I wanted to do. Has anybody ever like been like, okay, I'm going to start working out. I'm just, I'm just going to do this thing. Anybody with me? Okay. If you ever started working out, if you're doing it for someone else, you'll like quit like five minutes on that stupid treadmill because that thing is torture. I would rather run from my house to the church six times than run two steps on a stupid treadmill. I don't know what it is about it. The second I step on it, my legs hurt. But I start working out. If I'm not doing it for myself because I believe that it's something that's going to better myself, then if there's not a real internal drive, then, then I'll give up within the first, little, the first couple weeks. But at the same time, if there's no evidence that I can see of what's been happening, I'll quit. How many guys worked out? Let me see it just one more time. Just you decided I want to work out. I want to do something to better myself. I'm going to try working out. Okay. How many of you guys have ever failed at working out? Because what happens is this. And I was so annoyed. I started working out like a month and a half ago. And I got on the scale. I didn't, I, I was like avoiding the scale for like ever. Because I'm like, I don't care. I'm just doing this to make my, I'm just doing this to feel better. It's not a big deal. I'm avoiding this. I got on the scale just recently. I have gained two pounds since I started working out. If you were to take weight only into the equation and just say, how much did he weigh before? How much does he weigh after? And you just said, weight is the only equation. Then there is no evidence that I was working out. Right? But when I go play basketball and John Farger comes into my office and says, hey, dude, are you sore? Man, I'm so sore from playing last night. And I'm like, no. I'm not sore. This is cool. I am not sore. Because there's evidence of what I've been doing. Now, the evidence is not on the scale, apparently. Stupid scale. But the evidence is there. And so once I see that evidence, it motivates me to keep going. And see, a lot of the times we look at our faith and we think, well, I'm just doing this thing. And I'm just... But all of a sudden we, we, we let faith be the substance. We let it be the foundation for what we're doing. We live it out day by day. And little by little, we see ourselves actually getting closer to God. We, we feel ourselves becoming more confident in what God has called us to. We, we, can just, we just get this sense that we're closer. And little by little, people may, may not be able to notice it yet. People they may not be able to see it yet. People may not be like, hey man, you've been doing sit-ups, huh? They may not notice it yet, but little by little, you're looking in the mirror and saying, man, this is working. And you're looking at your life and you're saying, this is working. I don't get as frustrated as I used to. I don't get as angry as I used to. I I actually enjoy going to church. I love reading my Bible. This is actually working. And we begin to see that evidence coming up in our lives and it encourages us to go further. Don't quit. Don't just, listen, people are like, well, if you just try reading your Bible for two weeks, eventually you're going to develop a habit and you'll be able to just read your Bible forever. Don't quit if you don't feel it after two weeks. Keep pushing and you'll begin to see evidence in your life.
that God is real. And as you continue on, little by little, day by day, drawing closer to Him, getting closer to Him, people are going to begin to see evidence in your life of the faith that you say that you have. Little by little, day by day. If faith to you is a distant belief that God is real, then eventually it will fade. If your faith is a distant belief that, hey, yeah, God is real. Somebody told me that one time. Then eventually your faith will fade. Just like your imaginary friend faded. I don't talk to Luke Skywalker anymore. Eventually that fades. But if your faith is a foundation on Jesus Christ, little by little, day by day, you begin to do this, you will find your faith unshakable. Some of you guys go back and forth and you're tossed back and forth and you're like, well, I believe in God. The worship service is good. I believe in God. I don't believe in God anymore. I don't really know. I don't even really know if God's real anymore. Little by little, day by day, exercise that substance. Exercise that foundation. And you'll find your faith unshakable. Little by little. How do we build our faith? How do we make our faith strong? Go back to Romans. Wow, it seems like forever since we've been here. Romans verse 11 and 12. He said that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Turn to the person on your right say, I need you. Turn to the person on your left and say, you need me. For those of you guys sitting by yourselves, um, you're talking to imaginary friends or something, I don't. I need you and you need me. He says this. I want to come to you in the what's up section of this letter. He says, I want to come to you and I want to give you something that's going to make you strong. He says, the thing that I want to give you to make you strong is that you're going to be encouraged by my faith and I'm going to be encouraged by your faith. Because faith is not invisible. It's evidence, right? And a lot of times we think, okay, if I'm going to be encouraged by your faith, I'm going to, then I'm just going to come up and I'll be like, hey man, will you pray for me? And then you pray for you and then faith. Encouragement. There it is. No, what's going to happen is this. As we hang out, as we spend time together, you're going to begin to see God working in my life. And you're going to be encouraged. And you're going to say, if God can do it in him, he can do it in me. And I'm going to see God working in your life. And I'm going to say, if God can do it in Kevin, he sure as heck can do it in me. And as we spend time together, as we hang out together, our faith becomes even stronger because we're witnessing God moving in each other's lives. Do you know why Master's Commission goes on the road? And they're just like, let's start raising people from the dead. Because they've been hanging out every single day with each other. They've been seeing God really revealed in somebody else's life. Kevin looks at Tyler and he goes, oh my gosh, that guy has grown so much in the last week. I can't even believe how great God is. And as he sees God moving in Tyler's life, he goes, God can do it in my life too. And we come to church. And the Bible says this, that faith is built by, faith, is, faith comes by hearing. And so we come to church and we hear some preacher who thinks he's handsome, but we don't think so. Same guy that talked to Luke Skywalker growing up. What's he talking about? 
and we hear some preacher talk about the Bible and we say, if God could do it for the people in the Bible, he can do it for me. If this is real enough for them, it's real enough for me. If they have peace, joy, hope, then I can too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Faith is not invisible. It's not just coming up here and saying, I believe in Jesus. Amen. Be blessed. It's about showing you how real God is, not only in my words, not only in what I say, but in how I live. And as I do that, your faith will grow. And as you do that, my faith will grow. And you go to your schools and you find a Bible study on your campus and you say, I don't know any other Christians that go to Crossfire, but I I know there's a Bible study and I know I need to hang out with other Christians. So we go to the Bible study with people that don't even go to church with us. And we see God moving in their lives and we say, if God can do it for them, then he can do it for me. And we allow faith to become evidence for everyone around us. And as everyone around us says, here's the evidence, here's the proof of what I believe is a changed life. I'm not who I was anymore. And we see somebody get freed of some kind of addiction and we say, man, I want that so bad. If God can do it for them, he can do it for me. And we allow faith to become evidence for everyone around us. Where's the proof of your faith? Where's the changed life? Because we need it right here, right now. The people at your school need it. The people in your families need it. See, faith is not imaginary. It's not made up. And until the world sees your life begin to change, they're going to keep looking at it as imaginary faith. Oh, they're doing their Christian thing again. Oh, impact must have been really good because they came back and they started doing that little Christian thing again. That'll be over in three weeks. Now you've got to allow your life to be changed. By truly trusting and grabbing a hold of Jesus, the unshakable. When you feel weak, tired, worn out, that's not the time to miss church. That's the time to make sure you're at church. Surround yourself with people that are going to speak and live faith in front of you. And you can be mutually encouraged. Amen. Could you all bow your heads and close your eyes?